skyway High above the busy little one way In my stupid hat and gloves at Pablo, Christian, and Dave Are you timing this, Dave? I'm looking at the date Friday, February 21st is this a 20, holiday? 2020. 2020. Uh, I feel like it's a no, holiday. It's not, is it? 2020. 21. 2021. 221. 2020. Oh, I like it. We're talking about our beatboxing careers today. I love this song. We just came off of a little intensity. Frable was wrong again. Pablo was wrong. Ooh. It's okay. We 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 know each other well enough to know our tenderized spots. We've had conversations like this many times. Many times. Not about this particular thing, but many times. Yeah, and that's true. Frable's been wrong all those times. Uh, we reach an impasse where it Frable's pretty much wrong. pretty much comes down to Pablo having blind spots, and I love him anyway. <laughs> it had ultimately to do with children. Yeah. And custody and split, broken And divorce. And divorce. Yeah. And men. And women. And women. Yeah. And power dynamics. All that to say, love one another yeah. as hard and, and you, as fast and as long as you can. Yeah. If you do have to get a divorce, be nice. Be kind. And share the children. And share yeah, the children. Yeah. Think about the children. The children. The children. Now, Frable, were you actually ever married? You never been through a legal divorce, right? I have not. Well, no, I was never married, but I was through some part of the court system in the way we dealt with um, how to take care of our kid. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and then I've been, you know, divorce adjacent at this stage of life. I've seen about, I would say, 12 divorces close up. Twelve. Twelve. Baker's but that's, that's, that's also because I'm an educator, so I watch what happens to children. You know, I had one girl come to piano lesson for two years and, and just weep. Ugh, that was so hard. So I see what happens to the kids a lot, so I guess I'm always kind of, that's my view master. Joyce and I went through a collaborative attorney, or collaborative law, so we both hired what they refer to as collaborative attorneys. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you sign an agreement. You make a. You get together, uh, the three. You know, the, actually, the four of us, uh, and you make an agreement, and you sign an agreement uh, that the thing will never go to trial. Oh, so, so different smart. than mediation. It's m- much like mediation, but it's more uh, uh, formalized in that's a cool. uh, contract contractual agreement. And then you go through, and uh, yeah, so the traditional model is that an attorney fights, is obligated to fight like as hard as they can for their client. Yes, for as many bells and whistles and shekels. Get as much as you can, um, and they have to do that. But in this type of agreement, it's the attorneys working on behalf of the couple. Both of them are working on behalf of the couple and, and looking to the couple to lead them to what they want as a couple. For the kids. Well, that's part of it. Because yeah. it doesn't necessarily have, a lot of the divor- uh, collaborative divorces are in relationships without kids. Yeah. You know, so. 
Oh, really? Kids are part of it. Yeah, if kids are involved. But, may, you know, it has to do with property and stuff, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. divorced a few ideas in my day. That's good. Yeah, trying to move on. <laughs> I'm a divorcee. <gasps> You're so glamorous. I forgot that. Yeah. Oh, my God. You are too, Dave. Oh, yes. my God. I'm sitting just in a once. divorcee sandwich. Yes. This yeah, is delightful. Just once. Just once. Is yeah. all I'm ever going to be married, I think. Really? You're not going to... Well, you never know. But I just... I, I'm ambivalent about the concept of actual marriage. Well... Especially at this point in my life. Being, yeah. You know, 57 years old. Like, why... The reason that Joyce and I got married in the first place was because we were pregnant. Um, so it was, it, it, we thought it would be best. Now, was Eli planned or was it like no, you, you no, and Joyce were just a, having a rock and roll an ex- time? Yeah, it was rock and roll. The happy accident. Although, yeah, and it was it was not completely accidental, I guess. But well, you were having yeah. sexual intercourse without protection. That's so where babies That part come is from. not accidental yeah. at all. As Stephanie is always... <laughs> Happy to remind me. I don't want to talk about Stephanie's fertility on air, but I'm no, no, tempted it's not, to. Not hers. It's oh. when we, when you hear about other people, and, yeah. and when you're talking about, oh, I was an accident. You were an accident. She says, "Well, were you really?" Because when you have sex without protection, what do you expect is going to happen? All those accidents do happen. I had those a friend. Kinds, yes. I had a friend over, um, who actually a friend of my daughter's yesterday, who at 17, birth control failed her. And she has a baby. A rubber? Failed her? No, the pill. Oh, You know that 2%? She's in that category. Yeah, that, you could argue that's a genuine accident. On the other hand, uh, it's a risk, a collateral risk of the activity. So shouldn't really be a surprise. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm afraid that we're going to... Devolve back into an argument again. This is or fall down the elf hole. Yeah, fall down. A, uh, now, was it an argument or was it an impassioned discussion where uh, we were just? Uh, you, you guys were kind of talking past each other. I have to say. Okay, good. Good. To I know. don't feel. I don't. Feel if I were a ma- marriage yeah. counselor, yeah, you you're talking about two different issues. Yeah, no, you, I Frable didn't care about Frable's <laughs> issues, and I didn't want to hear about what Frable had to say. I. You were talking uh, about your friend. She was yes. talking about a ph- uh, philosophical or, or yeah. more. Yeah. A, a stand. Well, yeah, an ethical stand. You're yes, saying but stand in your, for the children. Yeah. For the yes, but in your ethical stand, you advocated empathy. a specific set of actions, which to me is just, you know, ridiculous. For a guy that she doesn't know as well as you do. She knows him, but she doesn't know the situation or the depth of it, or so on and so forth. So it's just to me advocating action and saying, oh, this is what somebody should have done is just arrogant and ridiculous. Well, but you know what's funny? Those are two of the things I like best about you. I know. And you know what's funny is we try to be low-key with our podcastability, podcastian conversations, Podcast? um, but uh, heads were turning. Oh, really? Yeah, and this was before we had the equipment out, and heads were turning because of... The volume and the intensity, the passion with which we were talking. Well, I am a naturally loud and person. passionate person. And passionate yes, person. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. yay, the we're passion. all revved up. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, as I told you guys, I want to uh, uh, tighten up the format a little bit. Let's do it. To well, that end, I was thinking that we would embark on a subject. And I was thinking that the subject today could be 
Legacy. <gasps> Legacy. Legos? Le- yeah, if you want to go down an elf hole, <laughs> we could talk about Legos. Don't go down the elf hole. No, don't go there. Don't go. Don't step on the Legos. <laughs> uh, tell me what you mean by Legacy. Uh, well, um, so in, a, in some ways I think that this podcast itself is a legacy thing. It's just putting down... We, we, you know, we really have... I don't think that we have ambitions for this podcast of being listened to by a gajillion people. But I like the idea of my grandchildren being able to, to dig this up yeah. and listen to it and hear what the sound of my voice was like um, and the types of things that I thought about and what my friends would like and th- stuff like that. So, and it's the same reason I take pictures. I don't, uh, I don't uh, have dreams of being a great photographer or anything, although I like taking good pictures. I like your that photos. Yeah, your photos are killer. But those are things that can be handed down through generations and and kind of uh, give make a, a breadcrumb trail of if anybody in the future wants to find out what my life was like, uh, they can. And and that's that's legacy to me. Uh, the other people. Uh, you know, politicians, whatever, you know, talk about, I want to leave a legacy of blah, whatever. And I guess I'm interested in how, what, how you guys think about legacy. And it, not, you know, we've gotten to a point in our lives where we are going to die soon. What? Speak for <laughs> yourself, <laughs> old man. About? In the next, you know, Holy 30 shit. years probably, we'll be I dead. Do, do you guys think about legacy? Do you, well, do you guys think about legacy a lot? Okay, I much. I can say one thing, which is I'm 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 happy that McKenna will have access to my voice because I miss my mom, and I miss my father. I'm you know both my parents are dead, the memories are drifting away, although they're re kind of coalescing around the best <coughs> memories. So, like memory does, it's kind of. In some ways, out, it's good to, to and ironing out. Yeah. just be able to make your own memories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what we do. We prune as we get older, and that's why people who are older are happier because they prune away the the bad stuff. The bad stuff. But 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 the idea that she could listen to my voice is a comfort to me as a person who you know almost died and feels like I I'm I often feel like I'm on bonus time here. And I wish I could hear my mom's voice. Ginny Frable, yeah. Dina Realty. <laughs> five, five, Is four. that what she sounded like? <laughs> Ginny, yeah. No, she didn't sound like Well, yeah, How when I would <laughs> call her on the phone, I remember we, we used to... Uh, actually, my sister did a great imita- imitation because really? my sister used her as a oh, realtor Becky? also. Yeah, and she said... Jenny Frable, he done a realty. Or something, <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and she, I'll have to call she her did up because yeah. I'd love to hear that voice. Yeah, she yeah. did a great My mom sold Dave. Dave has two houses, right? Or one house. One house. Yeah, one house. And yeah. yeah. So that's a delightful thing for me to know that you had contact with my crazy, wonderful mother. Yeah, she was great. She was a terrible driver. Yeah, that's what I hear from really? many people who, who <laughs> rode in her car as a realtor. That's exciting. Ter- Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Pops? I have mixed feelings about this notion of legacy. I'm not sure I know the difference between legacy and pollution. <laughs> the other thing is, um, you know. So talk further about that. What do you mean? Like uh, leaving. Yeah, you don't get to say that. Leaving your scat behind? Or what? 
basically... Uh, you want to leave you know, no trace? I think there's something noble, at least I think there's something noble in not leaving anything behind. Um, so as to not burden those that come after you with your detritus. Interesting. Well, I think it maybe legacy and remnant. Sometimes I think legacy has to do with contribution, whereas when I think about leaving things for McKenna to just enjoy, like a scrapbook, a remnant, like a little patch of something that's material. To me, one of the most interesting things about death is that you are no longer adding information to the system. So, and this becomes an interesting uh, point with respect to legacy in the sense that you're talking about it, Dave. So let's say we record these podcasts and your great-great-grandchild at some point discovers them and wants to listen to them. At this point, they likely, if we're going down that many generations, they likely will not have any other access to you. In other words, they're going to have maybe one tiny little story or know something about you from their parents, parent, etc., etc. But uh, they'll be coming to it in a very sort of abstract way. And so will they have enough context to understand you? Uh, generational context, um, personal context. Will you be a stranger to them? Will they care about any of the things you cared about? But we, ta we talked earlier when we were having breakfast about the notion that our minds fill in the gaps. We create stories. We're story-creating entities. I, it, it, it occurs to me that the meaning will be imbued by the listener at that point. Yes, so it could be just as effective for them to... Uh, think that I was their grandfather and the takeaway uh, or great-grandfather and their takeaway might be just as meaningful or maybe even yeah, more right. meaningful they, than they if would they thought their own you would. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, in that sense, does it really matter that it's us? That there's more, yeah, that there's more stuff. It was so, so wait, let me give an example of that. Um, I, uh, when I was growing up, I always heard, oh, you're just like your uncle, you're Uncle Chester, they would talk. He was my great uncle. He was my grandpa's brother. Um, I love that name, Chester. Yeah. It's a great name. You're just like your Uncle Chester. He was so musical, and he was he looked kind of like, and he was blah, 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 blah. And um, uh, he was the, the musician, the, the creative kind of uh, scatterbrain of the family, <laughs> from what I gathered. Anyway, because I've put together a narrative, a story of my Uncle Chester, part of which was that I inherited all of his sheet music that was in the piano oh, badge. Mm. And the f crazy thing about it was his handwriting was just like mine. Well, that's cool. <laughs> oh, that's that is which cool. is kind of crazy. Um, but I heard stories and stuff, but never got to hear his music. Never got to hear, there was never any documentation, or and never heard his voice, and never met him. He died before I was born. Um, and he left kind of a legacy I guess but it was it's very sparse huh. and uh, and so I filled in the gaps and now I've got this magical Uncle Chester who may if he left something like this a podcast and a bunch of recordings of his, his music and stuff it may just have disappointed me yeah or it may have supported so, your 
ideas of him. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But part of the beauty of it is that I've created my own narrative of Uncle Chester that uh, you filled in the blanks is kind of mystery, mysterious and cool. But if there were too many blanks filled in for me, maybe it wouldn't be as cool. After my father died, one of the things that I was greatly amused by was this idea that I could tell someone that my father had always loved peanut butter, which he did not. <laughs> and there would be no way for them to know. <laughs> and in fact, I could extend this ruse and I could reshape my father uh, in the any... The ultimate revenge. In any way. Well, not even revenge, just to sort of... Because he was no longer adding information to the system, the only um, sort of... Uh, um, hurdles to recasting him would be those that knew him and those people are dying so eventually what's left of him will be the stories that I tell. You tell, that's right. So what was Jesus really like? Oh dear. He, I think he was a lot like my father. <laughs> oh except Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> and he Jesus hated peanut Jewish. butter. And we know that he was white. Mostly. That you could tell. <laughs> White presenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a blot. Well, here's, here's my thought, is the, the notion of creating a fabric of your life or of your sense of who you are, your place in the world, through affiliation with family, through affiliation with an institution. Pablo and I share a, you know, a, a cult we were both in. <laughs> The children's theater. Um, these these ideas of creating um, narrative and sense and meaning and through affiliation, I, it feels to me like a, a wonderful way to extend love across the generations. The, you know, having a piece of fabric from my great grandmother's quilt or. All, all the things that I call remnants, I find delightful and fascinating, and I may be creating narratives that are left of the actuality or the truth, but they're contributing to my sense of identity or my um, enjoyment of life. Well, what's interesting is, and maybe we can sort of tag these things with a, a information uh, quotient, if that's the right uh, word. So in other words, if you write a book, um, let's say a biography, the amount of information in it, uh, there's a lot of information. If you are passed on a piece of fabric, there is less information, or at least it's more open to interpretation, sure, right? Sure. Um, than, say, a book with photos and so on and so forth. So, you know, it sounds to me, Frabel, that you like those sort of tactile memento yeah, type I'd things that don't contain the possibility of like a letter from your grandma saying I murdered grandpa no, or I, I murdered love it. the No, I love it dog. all, personally, because I have letters from my father that he wrote to his dad in his 20s that filled in pieces for me of my father that created such empathy in me for someone who was so problematic. I, I like it all. I just find it find it interesting and Fascinating. Yeah, so it, it, it seems to me that there's sort of a spectrum of, of things that go down as legacy. You've got 
quilts or you know little uh, uh, clues that you leave behind that can be interpreted by people, and then you've got memoir kind yeah. of at the other end, or or, you know, or a where building you really named shape after you. <laughs> you really shape your own. Well, that I that's think that diff- that would be. That's on the more, spectrum closer to the quilt. Really? Because it doesn't that provide that any clues. Legacy. It, it, like, that's contribution. Well, like a legacy, yeah, okay. So to maybe me is weighted we're with getting the into s- the semantics of, of the word then. Yeah. So, what about a legacy of shame? Like, <gasps> let's dog. say your father had killed a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. That's well. also a type of legacy, right? That yeah, is. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, these are the things that I would like to explore a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do you want to leave behind? Is is kind of what it all it comes. I would like down to, to leave. And do you want to shape it? Do you? Legacy. How much do you want to shape your own legacy? Or how much is, is it possible? The, to I don't care at all, and I want to leave behind as little as possible. But now here's an interesting thing: you have your, in terms of children and legacy, handing things down. You have. This wonderful Oliver in your life. I hope he washes my bones with bleach and wears them as a costume it's, while he's well, it's parading through the village. That. There's your legacy. Because you, that's a, that's that's a, a specific kind of legacy, but I wonder <laughs> what he will want. Because to me, legacy is relational. It's not just an assertion, even though someone might put their name on a building because they made a you know, shit ton of money off the you know the enslaved people on their plantation and then they wanted to whitewash it by endowing some library in Chicago and you know that that's their attempt at a certain kind of legacy well here we are many years and generations later and that name might very well get taken off Calhoun right that might get taken off that building so there's legacy is uh, also hard to control I would say yeah, well, and it, it strikes me that a lot of... <laughs> Pablo made a face. <laughs> I was just thinking of Calhoun, and, like, he actually won. I mean, it was Calhoun for losing. a long time. But, I mean, it's going to... So is Elvis, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a question of time. We're all returning to dust. Yeah, yeah. Well, Shakespeare... Oh, uh, I see that as a positive. That's not a... I'm not depressed about that at all. I, I, but I, I love that. But I do wonder what you think about, like, the fact that Oliver is in relationship to you now and he's not your son in quotes but he's a person who's going to go into the future got you know god willing longer than after you're in the grave. Well that's his problem. <laughs> well uh, so uh, so my And dad, I wouldn't want to take any of it from him. My dad you know? is What's it, what if he's going to want to interview you? He can interview yeah. me. My dad's really into uh, genealogy. Um and the legacy that a lot of the people on these family trees have left is just a name on a gravestone. Sure. Um, and maybe a couple little details that were left in the church records about, you know, they came from a different part of the world. And so you, you kind of, the, the net effect of reading this, looking at, at the family trees and seeing where all the, 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 the threads yeah. Led back into, you know. Where are your people from? Dave? Well, uh, my dad, so, and this is the thing, is that genealogy is such a weird thing because you can, you know, you've got two grand, or you've got four grandparents, eight great grandparents, 16 great great grandparents, 32. Math. And, and pretty soon you've got 
10,000, you, you go just back a couple of generations and you've got 10,000 and then a million and then 5 million. Cousin. Yeah. And uh, so you can only follow rivulets through the middle of the tree kind of and, and follow it out to certain parts of the crown of the tree. Um, and my dad has only really followed his mother's side mm. um, of his of the family tree. So Norway, no it, Germany, Germany. Or no, no, no. Actually, on my my grandma Capel Pearl Dowell was her maiden grandma name. Capel. <laughs> yeah, Pearl Dowell was her name. On the Dowell side, it, it goes back uh, to England. A lot yeah. of that 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 family was in England, but you know half the family, the Capel side, is from Germany. But Capel uh, is kind of a dead end because Capel was apparently the name that was given to illegitimate children who were left with the church. Interesting. Capel mean, means chapel. You know, it means ah. church. <laughs> so 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 the, so that's a dead end, that's and you can't go any further with that. Yeah. But that's half of my dad's side of the family and then of course my you know that's my dad is only half of me and then we've got my whole mom's side and that side is all all goes back to sweden okay sidebar kissing evidently is about tapping into the genetics of the person you're kissing and on some level ascertaining whether those genetics are complementary to reproduce that's mm. what kissing does question what is anal sex then? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're leaving a legacy, <laughs> a certain kind of legacy right now. <laughs> As someone, let me tell you the story of Abe Altrowitz. Abe Altrowitz is my maternal grandfather. He was a writer for the Star Tribune. Uh, did you write about anal sex? At all? No, I don't think he did. But funny story about grandma, which I'll tell you later. Oh. So um, I like where this is going. <laughs> So, and that story is about anal sex. So, um, <laughs> that's the deep cut podcast. Woo. Grandpa Aby, I may tell you that story after the podcast God, is done. That's what I'm hoping. So, Grandpa Aby was a writer. He was actually quite well known for his uh, time. Abe, what, what was his last name? Altruitz. Altruitz. Was yep. he an altruist? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. He was a very practical, sort of jokey guy. A-B-L- okay. Yep. And he wrote a column. This. No, this is not an elf hole. He wrote a column for the Star Tribune called um, on, From Lake Calhoun or something like that. It was, he was a movie reviewer, and he covered the state. He knew all the politicians. And, um, and then he wrote a personal column called uh, On Lake Calhoun or something like that, From Lake Calhoun, um, which, of course, now would be... David Koska. At any rate, uh, he also wrote a number of books. He uh, is not super traceable on Google because of how long ago he lived and worked and died. But I did come across an article that he wrote for Esquire magazine, Whoa. which I read, and it's terrible. And is this the <laughs> 40s, the 30s? This would have been 30s and 40s. 30s and 40s, yeah. yeah. And, um, terrible article about what? No, it was a, written terribly. <laughs> I mean, uh, the point is, for the time, I have no idea what it was like at the time, but there were a lot of wife-beating jokes. There were a lot of sort of short, short, shorthand comical things that like, and, and I've, I've 
listened to comedy from that era and read stuff from that era, so it's difficult to say. But I did not enjoy the article. I did not. Oh, I'm uh, read this article. Yeah, I'll find it for you. And then Stephanie read it, and she had one of her friends at work. We had a hard time deciphering it. And this is a major publication, but it's satire, and it's, I don't understand the satire because I lack the context to mm. understand it. Now, I can kind of see my grandpa in there, less so directly from my memories of him and more from his son, Osher, who I knew, Um and I can sort of see, like, oh yeah, okay, I kind of see the the, the Your line uncle there. Osher? Yeah, the one who just passed. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the point is that um, here's this legacy of this writing from this guy that I, I, I'm assuming it's bad. I mean, that's my personal experience. It was obviously good enough to get published in Esquire magazine, and he was a well-regarded writer of his time. But I don't understand the attitudinal posture i don't understand the actual writing i don't i don't understand any of it and i don't think it's funny and i don't know any of i mean i see very little of sort of the guy i knew in there mm. and so what's the point what's the point of that legacy other than maybe to pollute this, maybe my life exactly what this is going to be to That's future so generations funny. people well, are exactly say, which is why i don't want to leave but did you I don't derive any enjoyment from it did I? Yeah. Did you? Just, I mean, you spent time with it. You talked about it with people. You, uh, you developed a point of view about it. Now we're talking about it. I mean, it seems kind of interesting. I mean, much like presence, it's just a reminder of how little we know each other. Right. But you know what? Time travel. No, this is what I'm saying. Like, so let's say the fantasy of time travel, <laughs> which I know this is, is my favorite very subject. Alive in you. Yes, let's say we get in a time machine, we go back to ancient Greece, right? And we want to experience ancient Greece. Well, yeah, yeah sure I know I it's a terrible idea, woman, but let's just say know. we did it. Okay. Right? We don't speak the language, we don't know the customs, we don't know anything. So, I mean, obviously, we have to have some magical powers if we're going to do this and have fun. Right. So when I'm left reading my grandpa's article, I don't have any magical powers. And the anachronistic nature of legacy is a bummer. What's the other word for the legacy that is about being a contribution? Like, say, the Federalist Papers. A friend of mine was over at the house. I teach his kid piano. He's reading the Federalist Papers because he, he works for the good of the people, and that's his interest. And so he was dipping back in, no doubt, because he's got some lawyerly. He's a lawyer, and he works for um, different commissions. And he was trying to understand something, and he was reading it for pleasure. But that is a legacy, that document, and it affects us. So is, to me, legacy has a, a kind of a weighty definition, which is different than, for me, a remnant or a, like your article. Well, like yeah, that. that's like what I'm saying, when I was saying it was, it's, there's a spectrum. And there's yeah, a, yeah and, the, and the word is kind of a loaded word. It is a legacy loaded word, yeah. is, you know, it can, it, it can, pertain to a disease you know your dna is is legacy yeah and, and it's a good and that's a why you kiss and, people you know your your uh uh court records or your your uh, uh your rap sheet is a legacy um, oh my god the, the the tracks that we leave behind the breadcrumbs that we yeah. leave as we cross this mortal mortal coil Whatever the Sh hell shuffle mortal. off, yeah. shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah, what is a shuffle mortal? off to Buffalo with your mortal coil? 
I don't think I've ever used that term before. I don't mortal know. coil? What does that mean? Sh- it's a Shakespeareanism. Yeah. Mortal shuffle off coil. the mortal coil. <laughs> it doesn't but what is a coil? That's what he said. That's the line, right? I shuffle know. off the mortal coil. It, yeah, but not to Buffalo. No, not to Buffalo. <laughs> What's I, the coil referred to? Uh, I'm, that's a good Shuffle question. Okay, well, research is yes. offline. Uh, if, listeners, you can uh, comment on this. and, and <laughs> Although, you know, some. if you remember from our John McWhorter lecture series, <laughs> um, he pointed out how the word silly has evolved over a long period of time. I love that book. And sh- when Shakespeare used the word silly, it was different than it is it now. It meant sacred. Yeah, so... Silly meant, meant sacred. Yes, so uh, who knows what coil meant then versus... Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Okay, what do we got, so Frames? here we got it. Thank you, the Oracle Google. Where do mortal coils originate? <laughs> the expression, this mortal coil, means the troubles that come through living and comes from a speech contemplating suicide in this famous play called Hamlet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what co- the word coil, though? What the coil. Sh- it's it's the daily troubles. Yes, but why? I yeah, mean, we need why? a better why, why, why? Uh, etymology than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't to have to sleep, that perchance out, to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. I yeah, want a better yeah. definition of yeah. Okay, I'm coil. On it. I'm on it. Coil. It, yeah, okay, we can talk about it. But, you know, this kind of leads to a second thing that I was going to bring up. Okay, before we go down Okay, go ahead. You want to talk more hole. about uh, Legacy? Well, I more? just want to know, have we solved Legacy? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. No. Okay, well, we're going to have to definitely talk not. about Coil on the next podcast because I don't want to be on my phone. I want to be okay. present with my Fair. friends. We don't yeah. want you coiling I'm well, not going to shuffle chatting. off to the coil elf hole. <laughs> well, the thing that got me thinking about this was I've, we're in kind of only the start of the 2020 election cycle. Ugh. And I was just thinking about politicians and about how um, I think that one of the big impulses for politicians, for holding political office and becoming president is that they want to leave a legacy some kind of a leg- in when you get when you're president you get to leave a presidential library and that's part of your legacy where people can go and study you exhaustively and all your speeches and all your uh, everything that you've written and every uh, all the bills that you've passed and all you know that that whole thing um, and that just seems like such an absurd level of legacy building to me but um, isn't and it, it it's it yeah. feels foreign to me but i do have thoughts of my own personal legacy this podcast being one of them my songs that i've written and have and are recording when i'm recording music that is toward it, 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 I, i'm doing that to leave a le- some kind of legacy some kind of trail of breadcrumbs about who dave capel was um you know, I take some pride in magnetic poetry existing and my name being associated with that because it leaves yeah, a story. A, about I take pride in that and that's I not even my accomplishment. In, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's contribution. I mean, to me, both those things are... But I'm, I'm talking about it as it pertains to this concept of legacy, of leaving something behind, some, some story about my life. You know, it's a selfish thing. But, but you guys also have kids, so I think it's a very different That's another thing. kind of legacy, too. 
Yes. Yeah. That you're, your that's genetic like, uh, code is yeah. continuing. Yeah, and that's another kind of legacy. But but it's not just that your genetic code is continuing. It's that you went through this whole process. I mean, McKenna literally came out of you. What? And Eli literally came out of you. Well, yeah. Well, part of you. <laughs> part of Eli came out of part of you. <laughs> anyway, my point is that, um, and and you've had to actually care. You you've had obligations. You've had to care for these kids in a consistent way and it has probably malformed <laughs> your entire identities so that um i'm just saying i think uh, your your relationship to legacy is probably shaped a little different than mine by virtue of your early childhood experiences with, with your own kids well it, it, yeah and it also shapes the whole part yeah you have a kid and then you want to leave a legacy for your kids' kids to find you. I, I, or I think money. It, shapes, it shapes the way that you think about legacy. Right, because um, you also want to leave them a, a you want to leave them greater a better found, world. You want to leave them, well, we super failed in that, but you want to leave them some kind of foundational um, survival. You want to ensure the survival of your spawn. You want to you know, create something or build something that, they, that means they can stand a little firmer. Yeah, and at some, on some level, we want to protect our lineage. You know, on some primal level, we want to uh, make sure that our, line, our lineage survives and thrives. Or do we? Not sure about I, that. I think we. Do. And because I think that, like, I think that the whole genetic passing down is also affiliative. So, for instance, you may not have genetic children, but you may have children who you've helped shape, form, educate raise and that's a legacy yeah yeah for sure well and the genetic legacy is really only relevant for a handful of generations anyway in terms of a, a personal experience because after a certain point we're all mishmashing together you know my great great grandfather i have no relationship to and the amount of genetic material i have from them is negligible compared to you know other things but when that's you a guess, by the way, if you get into yeah, let's not go down the genetic self hole because that's a. That's but that's is that's one. like my is dad is really into that, and he really wants to know. He he's fascinated by all these people who lived two hundred years ago who are relate who he came from, and it, at some level, I guess I am too. You know, I think okay, so he, there's ten thousand people who made me. You know, or, or and beyond them, there's um, millions of people who all funneled down into me, you know, and yes, all their DNA. I, and all I their would I would argue that Frable has had a much greater impact on you than your great great grandfather. Yeah, that, yeah, right, right. It, <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's or probably even your grandfather. <coughs> Uh, that's a lot. Of, I'm feeling a lot of responsibility yeah. right now, and I'm Don't scared. Screw it up, <laughs> oh my God, Dave! How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good, but I'm overwhelmed by the concept of legacy. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that it's a, such an interesting and complex area of study because now we have epigenetics and we also have this notion that we're not closed systems and that. 
whoever we're affiliative with in terms of our actual bodies being next to each other, we're exchanging what some would say genetic information. So we're not closed systems. I mean, it's, I, I, if, if I, you know, at 62, that the University of Minnesota's credits are only $10. Really? So I'm really looking forward to that because, I mean, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing for the next six years, but then I'm going to school and maybe this is one of the things I'll study because I find it fascinating that we're not closed systems, we're open source <coughs> and, we, and who we're around is a really huge influence in us. It's re, it's, uh, there's a reason why people start to look like their dogs. There's a reason why long-term <laughs> married I would be so lucky start to look like each other. It's fascinating. But I don't know enough about it to talk about it, so never mind. <laughs> okay. Legacy, the double-edged elf. <laughs> Do we have, um, are we having another segment? Yeah. Too? Oh. I wanted to, so, <laughs> here's something that I've, I've been struggling with. So, magnetic poetry. A lot of people say, are you a poet? And I say, no. And do you read poetry? And I say, not really. And, and. So I get that. Do you guys read the New Yorker? Yeah. I have. I don't recently. Yeah. So I subs- I've subscribed to it since I was in college, and I read it on and off. But one of the things that's always you read it on the flummoxed me. Like, is it a uh, kitchen well, table now it's situation? IPad. Now it's an iPad well, thing. IPad. Gotcha. But yeah, and sometimes well, that's it used to be because then they're not stacking up. Yeah, it used to be that they stacked up in the bathroom. Right. What Um, about New York Review of Books? That's another one I used to subscribe to. uh, No, never read. I have read that a little bit. uh, That's another one that reads. Anyway, at the risk of elf-holing, I uh, wanted to talk to you guys about New Yorker poems. And about poetry in general. Uh, Just about the inscrutability of poetry. Mm. And I... There are specifically the inscrutability of poetry? Uh, well, of New Yorker poems specifically. I am so flummoxed. So I've got some examples. Okay. Were you going to say I've got flummoxed? A couple. Flummoxed. Yeah. Thank I'm you. Flummoxed. Thank you for that by word. Much I of love poetry. That word. Great word. Back in the day, I used to, uh, a few times, I was actually asked to be a judge in poetry contests. That's awesome. Because, because of magnetic I've read poetry. So many po- yeah, because of magnetic yeah. poetry. And, um, which I did, and I just felt like such an idiot because I had no idea. I'd read these poems, and I'm like, these are just fucking words that don't make any sense to me. And I'd read <laughs> the poem over and over and over again, and I'd just think, okay. Let me ask you I, this. Are, before we get to the example, are there poems or poets you have read that do yes, resonate th- with you? Th- thank you for doing that because I want to read you a poem. Oh, good. Can I read you a poem? I'd love that to please, be read out Please, and who too. is this by? Billy Collins. Oh, he's okay. the great on-ramp to poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love him. That sounds a little derisive. No, no. On-ramp is, means, you know, yes, no, it's I, like, come I know. this way. Yes, yes, I no, know. No, it's, 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 it's a gift like to be You don't mean it in a no, negative way. No, I, I <laughs> love Billy Collins. Just because we were talking about inscrutability and Billy Collins right, but, is not but, but inscrutable. I don't, right? But I don't equate inscrutability with value. Right, right, right. Okay, well, yeah, that's a good on-ramp to the conversation. So... Are you familiar with this poem called The Lanyard? I do I don't not know. I so. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. I haven't read a lot of his stuff. Okay. You're about, I'm going to lay this on you, Pops. Lay, lay this poetry on We're me. not going to interrupt you either. Well, I'm not going to. No, I won't either. I'm just <laughs> stating my intention so I can follow through. The Lanyard by Billy Collins. 
The other day, I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary where my eyes fell upon the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into the past more suddenly. A past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them. But that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led, and then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim, and I, in turn, presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education. And here is your lanyard, I replied, which I made with a little help from a counselor. <laughs> here is a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. And here, I wish to say to her now, is a smaller gift. Not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the roof, rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was sh as sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. Oh. <laughs> that is gorgeous. Yeah, isn't that great? He is so wry and filled with empathy and humor. And sorry, and humor. And what a wonderful poem. Thank you. Yeah. Don't you love that? Love that. Not love quite you. enough robots in it for me, <laughs> but it was nice. It's so funny. because some I, time travel. Yeah. I, I literally, the other day, I was really, really needing some poetry, but very having a hard time getting in. And I Googled wry humor poetry. <laughs> mm. And what? who came up? He did come up. Billy Collins. Yeah, Billy Collins. Billy Collins. Yeah. 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 So yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Now, was this I in The it. New Yorker? No, that was... I can't remember where I first heard it, but um, I... It's, yeah, I can't remember where I first got it, but I got a... Since I heard the, my first Billy Collins poem, I, or, or read my first... Uh, I, I may have heard it. I may have found it on the internet. But... Um, uh, I've got several books, and, they, and they're great. I, they're readable, and they're accessible, yeah. As opposed to the poem I am about to read <laughs> oh, to you. Oh, you get a second one. Us? Okay. Do you hate us? From, well, I just want to know if How you guys... Are you perceiving part? poetry as a transgressive Actually, act? I want, I want one of you, one of you read. to read this one. Oh, good. Oh, Let Grandma get her glasses. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe we can decipher this thing together, because um, this is just... So one example of, of a New Yorker poem that I read. And we're filing I'm this sure I've read this. This will probably be the 10th time I've read it, and I still don't Fi fucking get this File thing. under inscrutable. Okay. I trust the wind and yeah. don't know why by Wynne Cooper. 
I'm not the girl in the picture. I'm not the smell of hyacinths. I might be the boy. I am off the record. I am not a view from the island, not the sound of waves breaking, not parasols scattered on sand. I'm closed for the season. I'm fingerprints on windows that look out on rain. I am rain that rains harder. I'm not the new fashion, not hands on a clock. I don't spring back. I don't spring forward, cannot turn back. I am yellow caution tape strung from pole to pole. Police line, do not cross. I see the sky, but nothing in it. Just spots on the sun, then the long twilight, then the crackle of stars. Okay. Huh. Yeah, so here's a long list of things that I am and I am not, and they're, they seem pretty random to me. And I'm trying to cluster together in my brain what makes the I am and I am not things different than each other. Trying to categorize those things. Let me ask you this. What is your visceral reaction? My visceral reaction is, confusing, is confusion. Okay. I'm just confused by it. And, I, and so I read it through and I thought, oh, here's a simple poem. Things that I am and I am not. And what, uh, meta, how, how do they... Uh, strike me how do these objects that she lays down you know police tape and what uh, parasols and things like that and but then I think what how okay so you are these things you aren't these things what I at the end I don't know who this what she is saying is it well isn't this a a lot about how we we, we, and, I, th- yeah, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but I don't know who this person is at the end, it, and it doesn't clarify it hmm. anymore for me. Isn't aren't poems and poets <coughs> like all things? We have um, a, we are attracted to some and not attracted to the others, and you know poems are kind of like people. We have a affinity or a sense of well, belonging to one and, and a repulsion from the other. I mean, isn't that just the way it is? Or is well, it something about it being a New Yorker? Yeah, of course. But uh, poem. I'm I'm just talking about. Do you want to understand who this I, person is? And you I want to come away with it. I want to come away with more. I want something. I want to get something out of it. I, I want to get some kind of feeling from it. Because I, I did. I don't. You do. Okay. Tell, I did. Tell me about it. I what, absolutely yeah. did. Okay. My mind filled the. Well, describe it, it. I would have to go back and read it, but as I was listening. And I tried to listen and create pictures in my mind at the same time, but it went a little too fast. Um, just saying. That's a criticism? No, no, no. It's just a saying. Why don't that you read hey, it? No, will you read it? Oh, will you read it? Nobody wants to hear that poem I do. again. Oh, I do. No, yeah. I don't want to hear it again, but I want to hear you read it. Oh, yeah, Pava. read it. Okay. I love you guys. <laughs> I will do as you say because I love you. Read the title. <sighs> I tr- okay, bossy pants. Here I go. I love you. Here we go. I'm I'm looking at you intently, by the I way, know, while you read it, and, and I'm going I'm, to judge you. I know, <laughs> and I'm doing something I don't want to do, which always happens. And makes me feel really good. I know, good. and so ultimately I'm doing it because I want to do it, because I want you to be happy. Okay, here I go. A poem from The New Yorker called, I Trust the Wind and Don't Know Why, by Wynne Cooper. I am not the girl in the picture. I am not the smell of hyacinths. I might be the boy. I am off the record. I am not a view from the island, 
not the sound of waves breaking, not paracels scattered on the sand. I am closed for the season. I'm fingerprints on windows that look out on rain. I am rain that rains harder. I'm not in a new fashion, not hands on a clock. I don't spring forward, cannot turn back. I am yellow caution tape strung from pole to pole. Police line do not cross. I see the sky, but nothing in it. Just spots on the sun. Then the long twilight. Then the crackle of stars. Okay, I feel so, like yeah. they are an ineffable state of being. That's what I got from that when I, I got, when I sort of I actually kind of got it a lot more for some reason. The re- you, yeah. So now I see that it's not she if this is a, a woman. Or I'm dude, assuming this is yeah, because it could be a man or a woman. So could this be. person I can see is not the the this time. I felt like the person is not the idealized version of this person this person is police tape and fingerprints and things like that they are, are, are this is a messy person this is not an idealized person this is a messy person that's not what i got but let me ask you this dave is there a musical analog in other words can you think of some in the genre that you like pop music let's say or f- songs singer songwriters and songs is there a singer songwriter or a song that you're like, ah, I just don't get it, and everybody gets it? Or a select group of people get it, and you're like, ah, I don't get it. Well, I'll tell you that when you said that, the first thing that flashed into my mind was not music, but uh, uh, was um, uh, the ti- uh, Love in the Time of uh, Cholera. Or yeah, the, uh, uh, Gabriel uh, Garcia, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Marquez, where in my early 20s, everybody was reading that, everybody loved it, Everybody thought, and I just thought it was the most absurd <laughs> Okay, but what ever. about I music? Because I think writing is a different thing, and our relationship oh. to writing is different. So I'm asking about music. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like uh, Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Okay, this is a good This, this is, is something one. that you know exists, and people love, and you're like, I don't get it. There are people in my life that have, uh, have been in my life who have loved Bon Iver, yep. and I listen to Bon Iver, and I like to listen to lyrics and one of the things about Bon Iver is that you can't really hear the lyrics it's more just sounds I will say or I can't anyway. for Emma forever and ago one of my all-time favorite albums oh, I love that yeah album. yeah not mine but here's the thing <laughs> I guess when you listen to yeah. it you say you can't hear the lyrics do you not under do you feel like you don't understand it or do you just not like it I don't understand it. I actually do like the music, the musical yeah. part of it, and I and I have listened to that and just let it wash over but, me. But is the and feeling like when you're looking at the New Yorker and you see a poem and you read it and you're like, ah, God, son of a do you have that same feeling with Bon Iver, or are you just kind of like, ah. I kind of do. Yeah, you do have. The it's same a feeling. it's a similar feeling. Yeah, okay. it's a similar feeling. So is it a feeling of I want to be able to access this and I just can't, or yes. is it yes, yeah, like yes. you you want to be available to 
access it and to have an experience that is positive. I want and it to talk to barriers. me. I want it to talk to me. Yeah. It's it's like it's talking to me in gibberish, and I can't, and I'm yeah. struggling to to yeah. hear it, and I can't hear it. Yeah. And and then the the second question is: Have you had that experience with a work of art, maybe uh, Love in the Time of Cholera? Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. That where you felt that way initially, and then you came around, and you were like, ah, oh, beauty. Uh, yes, I've had that. I had that experience with The Great Gatsby, okay. um, which I read in high school, and thought it was terrible. I've, I've I hated it. Mm. Now I've read it more than thirty times, and oh, wow. I love it. Really? Yeah, 30. I leave it. I, I read it at least once a year. How about Love in the Time of Cholera? Have you I, you know I that? it's got I I just bought it a couple of weeks ago. It's on my Kindle, and I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try again. Yeah, and mm. maybe I just wasn't ready for no, it. No, I can't remember. As your friend, what's his name? Uh, Batman. No, pa- Robin. <laughs> no, the 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 guy who was the womanizer, who uh, <laughs> uh, bald guy, uh, little bald, little bald guy, He's Carlos, <laughs> Carlos. Oh, okay, no, stop. he was first. He was <laughs> for the oh, record. Wait, wait, wait. Are he, we talking about Carlos Uzels? Yeah. Yeah, because he's six foot eight. <laughs> no, 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 no. The yeah. little guy. I know. Okay, maybe we we. The little guy, because I saw that Carlos Abler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whom I love and, and dearly. And is a sweetheart. Who, and, yeah, and is was, a sweetheart, and I would and not actually call him a I wouldn't either. Well, back in the day, I remember I, I, I was talking to him. Okay. I met him at a coffee shop because he was friends <laughs> yeah. with all my friends. And I, he was never really a friend of mine, but I knew of him, and we, were, yeah. we traveled in the same circles. And I remember and telling him this, this very thing. Yeah, he I'm going to have to call him and tell him. Yeah. <laughs> because now he'll want it intentionally. He's I said of a these connoisseur very of women, I would call him. Okay. Yeah, let's, that's let's, a good, yeah. 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 He's an appreciator. He's a wonderful man. But he told me at Muddy Waters, I remember uh, I, I was <laughs> Mutter, trying to read the muddy thing. Muddy Watering Hole. Yeah, and he said, oh, yes, I oh remember isn't this wonderful? This, yeah. and, and, and I and said, said, I just don't you. get it. And, she's, and he said, maybe you're just not ready for it yet. Yeah. yeah. Which fucking pissed me off so bad. <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, I think that's actually a good example because... Oh, my God. Um, all <laughs> oh, of my these, God, I love you so much. It's uh, so funny. All of these things are cultural products, <gasps> right? They're all cultural products. And, and we have access to them in certain ways. If you grow up, and everyone loves a certain book, or I mean, the New and York how Review of weird Books. Cultural products. Yes, New New York Review of Books is a perfect example. Like there are some people where I can just by reading the New York Review of Books, I know exactly what they've read and what they think because of what they've read, and it's the standard. Like there's a whole sort of canon that certain people read and it's reflective of their culture and it's no different than comic book people it's no different than anything else there are all these sort of cultures that are overlapping and interweaving and all this other kind of stuff and sometimes you are a participant in the culture witting or unwitting sometimes you are outside the culture and you are trying to get in sometimes you are in the culture and trying to get out there's all these different sort of affiliations that happen and I think that there's when you look at a work of art that is part of a culture and maybe esteemed or, or honored within a particular culture and you don't understand it and you don't like it, not, there's not only the cross-cultural element, there's also this, is it me or is it them? And that essential question is, in an, is a part of 
going from one culture to another or broadening your culture or narrowing your culture or that whole sort of experience. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to understand that all these works exist in a context and it, 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 we talk about legacy you know like when you look at a piece of uh, uh, of modern art that's that's super minimal minimalist you need to to appreciate to fully appreciate it you need to understand where it exists in the canon of and and how the progression led to you know it just they're just being red paint yes that's so a, interesting because i go to the museums with lee barthel who's my friend who's 90 six years old so I go to the Walker I go to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts and we go every week and we were just talking the other day about how it feels so different to be in the Walker as opposed to being in the Minneapolis Institute of Arts because of the different points of accessibility and she astutely said that when we're looking at art at the Walker it feels as if we need to be um, brought in to understand the context of the art in order to really appreciate it, which I think is often true of a certain kind of modern art, whereas when we're at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, there's a, a kind of understood valuation of what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Ways of Seeing? Yeah, by, uh, John, John Berger. Berger, great yeah. book. Yeah. Oh, and and the videos are yeah. on YouTube now. Oh, I haven't seen those. And they're great. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, you should check them out. Do you recommend? For sure, them? I recommend. Okay. Them. Yeah. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing that strikes me as interesting about this, for you, is you uh, may see a cultural product that is not um, one that you have access to for whatever reason, and your immediate thing is is it me or is it them and there's a value question in there right you're like am yeah. i an idiot and is this the greatest poem ever and am i an idiot and i and i think that that's an unfortunate byproduct of the experience it doesn't always have to be right. that way so the uh, the sort of retort to maybe you're not ready for it is yeah maybe i'm not ready for it maybe it sucks yeah. maybe it's i don't care about resonating it. for me yeah right. so so uh, you know, for me, there are a lot of things that don't have robot spaceships and time travel in them, <laughs> and I don't care about them. Yeah. And and now here's the here's the other part to this: is there may be something with robots, spaceships, and time travel that is not part of my cultural um, purview that I will come to. That in in other words, I might evolve into it, but it's not. Um, and you might evolve into it only to reject it. Yeah, I might have because, you know what? One, the, one of the things that I feel so grateful to my friend Laura Calvin for is she, she's, first of all, she's just a phenomenal person and she's brilliant and, and a great artist and a wonderful friend. But she's also introduced me to the, this notion of, oh, I'm not interested in that. She literally categorically just dismisses some things as, I'm just not interested in that, which I guess is the converse of your spaceships, robots, and time travel. But a lot of times... I wouldn't times, say it's the converse. I would say it's I the mean, exact same thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, the, I, yeah, I'm interested right. in what I'm it's interested in. It's the same in. thing on the, on the other end of the yeah, spectrum. I, yeah, it seems like the same. And this I like is, that. To this just is be a Pauline Kael quote. Oh, I love her. And, uh, and she particularly hates... Film critic, for those of you. Yes, film critic, famous film critic. Now dead. Now dead. She particularly hates um, artiness for artiness' sake. If a movie director cannot control both his thematic material and the flux of visual material, 
It's far better to have inner order and outer chaos because then there is at least a lot to look at, different people and things and places to distract one. Even if it is disorganized, well, if the movie looks formally strict, but the ideas and emotions are disturbed, the viewer may feel that the fault is in himself for not understanding the work, or worse, feel that this kind of artistic-looking, disturbing ambiguity is what art is. <laughs> That's funny because I oftentimes ah. think when I because I take stabs at writing poetry and I and I read it and I read short fiction and I write some of it and I think about who's reading the New Yorker and I think about how taste is formed and how value is meted out. And we live in a great literary hub with Grey Wolf Press and Milkweed and I just think the more a person can follow their own compass to say, hey, I'm interested in that, or I'm not interested in that. The more lively our culture right, will be. Es especially when it's a subjective thing, it's yeah. not a meritocracy. You're not reading no. the best poems in The New Yorker, you're reading their editorial uh, taste. You know, taste. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, it might be that it rubs you the wrong way. It might be that, you know, you don't that like everybody it. everybody else is wrong, and it sucks, <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> All right, friend, let's leave well, that let, at that. Let, let me say one last thing. My friend uh, DJ, African-American kid, from DJ. The, grew up on the north side. One of his uh, things that he often says uh, is, oh, that's a white people thing. And he's sort of joking. But, um, but the number <laughs> of cultural of differences that. that he's yeah. talking about, you know, are, are um, acute. And it's, uh, it's funny to me because he's not wrong often. Yeah, yeah, Because totally. there's a lot of that. It's a white totally. people thing. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Okay. Let's do recommendations. Oh, yes. I recommend you, Dave. Oh, I recommend nice you pops. and Pablo, I rec Dave. Yeah, recommend you too, Fravel. I guess we're Thank recommending you. the podcast then. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a podcast, a competing podcast called uh, Flow Sessions with Jason Silva. Are you, per are, are you familiar with Jason Silva? No. Um, Shots of Awe is his... Uh, his YouTube channel. Is he a famous South American alchemist from the 1800s? He, you know, I think you might be interested in him. He, uh, is speaking of time travel and future and weirdness, and also speaking of, before we started the podcast, we were talking about microdosing. Um, <laughs> Recommended. Yeah, I, I won't go too far down this elf hole, but, um, but he does some interviews with, with actually some people who are microdosing people uh, at any rate he he has started a podcast called flow sessions and uh the one that i particularly recommend is his interview with alain de Baton, who I, th I think i've talked to you guys about he was the one who wrote the article in the new, in the new yorker called uh, why you will marry the wrong person which is another article that that article i've also like the great gatsby read 30 to 50 times and really highly recommend that article oh cool um alan de baton it's uh, a l a i n uh small d e and then capital b o t t o n alan de baton anyway jason silva's interview of alan de baton on his podcast called Flow Sessions. That's my recommendation. 
Nice. And that's, you're going to do, are we doing? I'm just doing one. You're just doing one. You can do, you know. Okay. Oh, Pobs, you're on. I have started to listen to, I think it's called Norse Mythologies, but it's Neil Gaiman uh, sort of rewriting a bunch of Norse mythology and reading it. I think he reads it. And uh, super enjoyable. Just really fun. I love that guy. Listening. And he's used to live in Eau Claire. Fun to listen to. Yeah, so I would recommend that. I would also recommend Loving More. (gasps) Loving More. Loving More. What a good recommendation. Just love more. Especially you, Fred. I know. You need to love me more. That's not quite what I was (laughs) thinking. I was thinking you need to love more. Is that your... Are you done with your recommendation? Yes, I am. Thank you. I am recommending staycations. Mm. So I went on a staycation and it was You fam- went? Yes, I went on a staycation since Where? our last podcast. I went to a hotel called oh. the Hotel Alma and I got early check-in. In Alma, Wisconsin? No, Alma. On university. The hotel on university. Staycation. Like, I didn't leave. I, I thought staycation meant you just stayed home. That's what I thought, too. But you're using it in a different way. I'm using way. it in the way of a staycation where you're actually going someplace, but it's in your hometown. Oh, yeah. okay. So, and I, I, you know, I just had a fantastic time reading two books. I read uh, The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by our own local Janata Petrus, which was an amazing book. And then I read How to Disappear. Mm. Notes on Invisibility in a Time of Transparency by Akiko Bush. And just the, you know, to be in a hotel and reading for 36 hours or whatever it was, it was just great. Wow. That's my recommendation. Turned the phone off, unplugged, put a scarf over the TV. Where is this hotel? On University where? You know Cafe Alma? Yeah, yeah. It's It's the hotel. There's only seven rooms. Upstairs of the restaurant? Yeah. Seriously. And what, what does it set you back per night? I don't remember. It's under 200. I think it's different what different days of the week. I think I huh. might have done it through a I hotel tonight or something. I, I don't know if I could do that. Well, I'll tell you what it does for me is I have so many projects at home that I should attend to. Laundry. I mean, just the basics of homemaking. You know, I'm washing. Basically, I'm cleaning. a I'm a failed homemaker. Basically, I'm. I really. I what would like to live in a hotel all the time. What is where a failed homemaker? Mean? I don't know. Like, what are your home expectations? Oh, I just hate it. I hate all the clutter. I hate all the stuff. Do you and that's not true because obviously sometimes I love it because it's a cozy little it's home. Your stuff. Do you and get to a stuff. point? Do you ever get to a point in your place where you're like, "Yes, I'm on top." Absolutely, yeah. I go. You I, do. It, yeah, it's a. It's never it's, been there. It's. It's sometimes <laughs> I. I get there and I'm. I'm really happy. But honestly, getting out and going to a hotel is one of my greatest pleasures. What if there was a team of cleaning specialists that came into your Maria place, condos, on a yeah. daily basis and that just scrubbed and cleaned and whatever? Yeah. That's my dream. I love that idea. Little elves. Where are the elves when you need them? <laughs> Down hired, the elf hole. Yeah, I hired a uh, a Maria Kondo. I know. How's that going? How's your well, decluttering Well, I, I haven't going? had her for When's the party? a while. But uh, but it, it, we de- decluttered, you know, to the point where she filled her 
huge truck with stuff you know, three or four times and hauled it to wow. the Goodwill. So um, there, I jettisoned a lot of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, my house is in... You've been there. It's a, it, Okay. I, I could declutter just a little bit, and it would be fine it's for a party. It's so fine. And by the way, we so did start this podcast with the idea that we we're gonna all wanted yeah, to yeah, yeah, expand yeah, 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 our yeah. communality and... Yeah, 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 yeah. Question. Did you move into that place from a bigger place? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then you should be, you're off the hook, man. (laughs) (laughs) You got another 20 years before you have to have it all done. Some of my stuff is still in boxes in the garage. Hey, let's recommend our friend Sarah, who brings us our food. St. Joan. Production of St. Joan by George Bernard Shaw, opening March 6th through March 27th at the Orchard Theater Collective. And the play is directed by Ben Robert Shaw, featuring Craig Johnson, no. Damian Leverett, no. Tim Saylor, well, I don't believe Meg you. Bradley, <laughs> and Anne Schifferl as St. Joan. Please forgive the mispronunciations. You, and who is it directed by? It was by <laughs> no, no, I, Ben Robert Shaw. And who is the and play by? And it was by? written by George Bernard Shaw. Now, are they cousins? I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> but for tickets, you just go to the theatercollective.org. And again, it's running through March 6th. And Sarah is the stage manager. Is Let's she also stage? shout out to Calla if she's listening. Oh, yeah, Calla. Thank you so much for taking care of us at the beautiful Kenwood And your restaurant. blessed heart. See ya. Up in the sky 